Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, there is drama in our art world right now around representation and misrepresentation of artists and subjects of color, specifically at the local art gallery Modern West Fine Art. So it's a good time to ask the question, how far have we come? One prominent Chicana artist in particular has really shaped the scene. Ruby Chacon is the founder of Salt Lake's Mestizo Institute of Culture and Arts, or MICA. Her colorful works can be found all around our city. And arts journalist Bianca Velasquez recently interviewed Chacon. She joins me to explore the artist's continuing legacy. Today's Thursday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. So, Bianca, Ruby Chacon is one of Salt Lake's most, I don't know, everything famous, beloved, respected artists. Can you tell us about her as if you're introducing a friend? Oh, that's a great way to put it. Ruby is very special in the ways that she has transcended a lot of barriers that she's experienced here in Utah. But at the same time, she's a lot like a lot of our Latinx community members, you know, has had experiences with difficult upbringings, has had experiences with um, not seeing herself be reflected in community, in the community, the art community, or even in art academia here in in Utah. So I would explain or describe Ruby as more someone that's uh, a lot more relatable than you would expect. So it's a beautiful combination of someone you can really admire, really aspire to being, but also can feel a connection to. Yeah. She told you in your interview, which you quoted in the piece, and I love this, that um, her art is a counter story. What do you think she means by that? Well, I think oftentimes uh, the voices or stories of Latinx and POC people are told for us, right? Hmm. You get media, you get television, you get the way people are portrayed in movies, et cetera. And there's not a lot of room or chance uh, to tell your own and to say it. And Ruby's story is actually really compelling. Uh, She had a tragedy in her family that was portrayed in a way through media that really was painful and it compounded her pain. Um, and, you know, made the experience much worse. And I feel like a lot of POC friends and, and community members, that's something that commonly happens, unfortunately. And so taking the space to tell your story through art, um, not only creates that space, but also rewrites the script and, 
helps break down these stereotypes and debunk them. And I think that's just important work. Yeah, well, and I think one of the things that makes Ruby so legendary in Salt Lake is that she did more than just that in her actual work, in her art, but in the way she moved through Salt Lake's art world. You also said in the story that like that representation is more than just brown faces and white spaces, right? And Ruby, it seems like, really understood that, and it was important to her to carve out a space for, I don't know, like the business of art for people mm-hmm. of color, right? That is a huge thing that I feel is overlooked oftentimes by people who are not POC, who put that art on a pedestal, but they don't necessarily create the pathways for artists to even get on that pedestal, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of resources that are missing for a lot of our community members. Like, how do you price your art? How do you defend your prices? How do you get canvases? How do you frame your things? Uh, These are a lot of things that, you know, without the right resources, you can't get to, you can't access it. In addition to Ruby and and the work that she did with Mika, there are a lot of organizations that are starting to pop up like Sister, for example, Mm -hmm. um, who creates events and also offers those resources for um, communities of color. So I feel like it's surprising to me that just now that clicked for other people, not just, I mean, obviously it's our communities that are like, Hey, these are the things that we need. So we're going to provide them for ourselves and for others. But it's surprising that that conversation hasn't really clicked in the grander conversation Mm. um, until recently. I'm not really seeing much of that being talked about. Uh, I'm just seeing, you know, white curators say, Hey, I'm, featuring this POC artist, aren't we doing great? Aren't we offering representation? So it's kind of that thoughtfulness and that experience that you hold yourself and that Ruby held herself and the people of Sister held themselves to really understand what the needs are and how to fulfill them. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. 
Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One of Ruby's most famous Salt Lake works is the Art in Transit murals. Why is this project so meaningful? Well, I think this project was a great way for Ruby to communicate the meaning of many different voices and mediums um, in one mural. So this mural is displayed at the Jackson Euclid Station on 800 uh, North Temple in Salt Lake City on the west side. And basically, when imagining this mural, you're just imagining a collection of characters that are representing the community. It's very colorful. Um, It's very fluid. There's a lot of mariposas. There's a lot of uh, monarch butterflies scattered throughout, kind of floating in between and weaving in and out of these characters, um, creating a connection between them, which is, I think, a really important message, especially because uh, the monarch butterfly is representative of like change and immigration. And, and I think one part that really stood out to me about that mural was the homage and the reference to the indigenous community and and many of the indigenous communities here in in Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, And she took the surveys from the community. This is something that she was explaining to me that is happening or has happened all over the country. But to her in this project, it was kind of something that was like new Mm -hmm. using this format of taking the surveys from people of the community and then translating that into visual art. And that is not just her taking her perception of what the community needs to express. It is literally hearing what the community needs to express and translating it through this visual art. And I felt like it was very beautiful that a lot of a lot of that communication was expression from our indigenous communities here in Utah. One of the things I really love about the Art and Transit Project is that they decided that art should be in public transit, like art should be where people are, right? Um, And I think that that legacy is so interesting in our city and specific to the West Side, like that project is at the Euclid stop, the Jackson Euclid stop. And I've been thinking a lot about like, can public art fight gentrification Are there moments where public art can enable gentrification? I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, because you write a lot about the Salt Lake art scene very thoughtfully. It depends who who you're making the art for, right? This piece specifically, this mural, was curated to be on the west side so that the and especially in a transit uh, public transit place like you said but then think about who is taking public transit in those areas. Salt Lake City Public Art Program had the intention to serve their the people that are being represented um, in the piece. And Ruby, obviously, the, her intention was to also serve the people who would be experiencing that piece. If we are doing a piece representing, you know, the Latinx community, let's say, at a white-owned taco place, who is that serving? A part of the article that really hit home for both me and Ruby in within the conversation was the importance of public art and how it does break those barriers between what fine art is and what 
you know, people who can't access fine art can access. And more public art in those areas, in areas in which you're not going to see a fancy gallery is important because people deserve to access that art no matter what. Well, I guess my last question for you is like within the legacy of Ruby Chacon, how much has Salt Lake's art world changed or adapted to include artists of color? What's next in this work? Well, so, I mean, Ruby's been doing work, again, for, for decades, and Mika started um, a while back, and I, and I was thinking about her work with Mika in creating that community space, and not only a space for people of color to hang their art um, at whatever point in their career that they are, but also creating an environment in which People can have conversations where the conversations can build and become stronger. And, and these ideas of, of what we need and how we need to be represented and how we can grow can take root. I think about when she started that and how ahead of Utah in general she was. Hmm. You know, it was not happening. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of different groups branch off of that and try to do the same thing. Um, and I think we're starting to emulate what other bigger cities have been doing for decades. Uh, so it's like we're behind, <laughs> you know, and we're just, we're catching up. One other thing that I feel is so important is that the more representation within the community, these communities specifically, the more the world can understand that it's not just one story. It's not just one brown face in a white space. You know, it's you're not just a Latinx artist. You're an artist who is Latinx, you know. Bianca, thank you so much for your time. I love reading your stories. Oh, I love your reporting you. on Salt Lake's growing art world. It makes me feel very in the know. Oh, that makes me happy. If you want to learn more about Ruby Chacon, I linked Bianca's piece in the show notes. And I previewed this in the intro, but if you aren't familiar with the drama surrounding Modern West Fine Art Gallery right now, here's the spark notes. Modern West Fine Art promoted the work of Billy Shank, an artist that apparently people call the Andy Warhol of the West. Some people are amused by his pop art style depictions of the colonization of the West, but many people are not, including local indigenous artists who flagged the issue with the gallery a few months ago. The wake of that resistance has been pretty wild and includes the gallery manager quitting, iconic local artist Jorge Rojas being dropped from the gallery, and one Salt Lake Tribune reporter claiming it's why he lost his newspaper job. There's a piece detailing all of this in Southwest Contemporary Magazine. And if you want to give it a Vanity Fair-style read, I linked it in the show notes. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Salt Lake, for naming us the best local podcast in the City Weekly. We love you. And we'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.